We're going to be preaching on healing tonight, and we'll be in the second chapter of Mark and the ninth chapter of Mark. And so we're going to be looking at some things that are awesome and wonderful, and we're just going to celebrate the presence of the Lord. Go with me to the second chapter of St. Mark, and we'll begin reading the first 12 verses of this chapter. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. This is a beautiful story about forgiveness and healing. And again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days. How many would agree this is some days we're in? And it was noise that Jesus was in the house. I mean, we'd agree that these some days, Jesus needs to be noise to the world. And straightway, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And Jesus preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. And when he had when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. In Mark chapter 9, verse 2, he says, Be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were certain of the scribes sitting there. Oh, that's always a problem, them people that are just sitting there. Reasoning in their hearts. Boy, we could have really good church if it wasn't people just sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? You think? They were correct. They just didn't know who Jesus was. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on the earth to forgive sins. Parentheses. He said to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. I want to use for a subject today, or tonight, healing from the top, to the bottom, you may be seated. Healing from the top to the bottom. We're looking at Mark chapter 2 and Mark chapter 9. And I want to explain some things to you before we get started in the message. When Jesus Christ came to earth the first time, when God robed himself in flesh the first time, the thing that Jesus did more than anybody else, or more than anything else, rather, it wasn't his teaching, it wasn't his preaching, although he taught and preached, and Jesus did many things. But the one thing that Jesus did more than anything else was heal the sick. And there was a reason for that, because when Jesus showed up, there was a lot of sick people. 
and God is a good God. When Jesus Christ arrived to planet Earth, God in flesh among us, he found this planet in great darkness. He found this planet in great pain, great sickness, and great disturbance of sin and iniquity. And because of that, Jesus Christ began to heal everyone he saw. Now, there were a few that weren't healed because they didn't really come to Christ. But those that came to Christ, Jesus never said no. He always said, I will. The beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is though he didn't heal everybody that was in the crowd, most most of them that he did not heal in the crowd were sightseers. They were just people tagging along to see the show. And Jesus Christ didn't come to put on a show. He came to put the message of Christ, the message of God, his love out there. And to love the presence of the Lord and to show people that God is a good God. It was almost like a, a, a medieval times when Jesus came. And I realized that that was afterwards, but nonetheless, it was a time in which everything was horrendous. And Jesus Christ healed and he forgave and he showed us great words of power and might. And you need to get it out of your head that God is somehow down on you or against you. God is down on sin, but he's not down on you. God is for us. And because God is for us, the devil cannot win against us. If God be for us, who can be against us? And greater is he that's in us than he is in the world. And so I want to share with you tonight things that are important to me as a pastor. I want you to understand that when Jesus Christ forgives us of our sin, we were sin sick before we were saved. We had the sickness of sin in our life. We were sin sick, like that of a corrupted leprosy. We were sick. We were sick spiritually, mentally, emotionally. We were sick because of sin. And Jesus Christ healed us when he forgave us. When we came to Jesus Christ, we received forgiveness and we were healed. And just like sickness physically... Jesus Christ healed those that were sick. Let me point out something, and you need to understand where I'm coming from on this. When someone gets healing physically, and you know, they've been sick, and they recover. How many glad that you recover when you get sick? That's beautiful. We recover. We'll we'll either recover or recover on the other side, but we will recover. But when sickness comes into our life, and we're healed or we get over it, and God puts an incredible immune system in us, and God is the author of all healing, by the way. When we are healed physically, that does not mean that we won't get sick again. We can get sick again because we live in bodies that are corruptible. We live in bodies that are accessible to sickness and disease. And the only barricade or the only kind of armor we have against that is our positive confession, our belief in Jesus Christ, 
are standing on the promises of God's word. Taking the word of God and not yielding or bowing our knee to sickness every time it knocks on our door. Because God has given us a way to be overcomers, but that doesn't mean that our physical body won't sometimes get a headache or some kind of sickness trying to come against us. We rebuke that. We fight against it. But we need to understand that we are in mortal flesh and flesh sometimes gets sick. Now that I said that, when we get born again, we get forgiven of our sin sickness, our leprosy, our sickness, our vileness, and Jesus Christ has healed us spiritually, mind, soul, emotionally, down in our heart. And we've been, we've been healed of sinful sickness. That does not mean that we won't sometimes get sick spiritually just like the body. That's why we need to quit being so hard on people who at times backslide. That's why we should never be hard on someone that sometimes falls or fails. Because so many times churches won't let go of someone else's past. Well, it wasn't yours to begin with. Why are you taking it, you thief? Let go of the past. Always let go of the past. Let go of your own and leave mine alone. Amen? Some of you need to say that out loud right now. Let go of your own past and leave mine alone. Would you say that? Let go of my past and, and leave, leave mine alone. Let go of your past leave mine alone. And so I, I want you to understand if someone trips and stumbles spiritually and they get sick spiritually in sin, don't write them off. Don't be any more down on them than if they were to get sick physically. Understand that the great physician is here to forgive, to heal, and to deliver. I, I, I realize I said a great deal right there, and, and, and we need to understand that there's a great truth. Let go of your past and uh, tell others to let go of your past too because we move on. I don't care if you sinned an hour ago. Move on. I don't care if you tripped and stumbled a year ago. Move on. It doesn't matter. Move on. Trust Jesus Christ because Jesus is the great doctor, the great physician. He heals and he delivers. Amen. Four men, I'll give you the title of the message in just a moment. Four men took their friend, sick of palsy, to Jesus Christ. I want to call those four men the dream team. The dream team. Every church needs a dream team. Are you listening to me? Every church needs a dream team. Every hospital needs a dream team. Every medical clinic needs a dream team. Every basketball team needs a dream team. Every sports team needs a dream team. What is a dream team? means when everything is in order and you've got people that are dedicated, committed, to the work that is at hand. And these four men, the Bible's very clear, according to um, St. Luke chapter 5, verse 18, there were four men. And each one took a corner, each of the bed, the stretcher, the carrier, and they took this sick of palsy who couldn't take himself to Jesus Christ. To that sick of palsy, these four guys were the dream team. 
I have no doubt that this sick of palsy dreamed of walking. I have no doubt that this sick of palsy dreamed of being healed. I have no doubt that this sick of palsy dreamed of better days. And because he had a dream team, they got him to Jesus Christ. Now, every church needs a dream team. I want... I, I, I don't want to deviate too much away from the, the healing message I'm talking about, but you need to understand doctors are on God's side when it comes to healing. You need to understand medicine is here to heal. Doctors are here to heal. All healing comes from God. He gives doctors the wisdom, the skill, the ability. Most people in this room, you'd be dead if it wasn't for a good doctor. And some of you would really be bad if it wasn't for good medicine. In fact, some of you would be dead if it wasn't for good medicine. God heals through doctors. God heals through medicine. God heals through dream teams that are involved in the medical field. And we need to understand that however God uses to heal us, we need to be yielding to that method. Sometimes God will use a doctor to heal us. Sometimes God, you say, well, don't the doctors get a little credit? Absolutely. They get credit for what they do. They're in, you know, I, one time I decided that I would ask doctors. When I was in that car wreck, I seen, well, I'm still getting bills from doctors I don't even know I saw. And that was 14 years ago. No, how many years ago? How many? Oh, it's in 20, 2014. Well, it seems like it's 20 years ago. But I, I made a habit to ask the doctors, and I'd ask the nurses too, this question. I'd ask doctors, why did you get into the medical field? And sometimes the doctor would say, well, my father was, or my, you know, some, my brother was, or whatever. But nine times out of ten, the doctor would tell me, I got into the medical field because I wanted to help others. And nine times out of ten, they would say to me, I had a brother that died or had a little sister that died or had, had a tragedy to a brother or a tragedy to a friend. And I had a, a loved one that had gotten sick or my mother had gotten sick and they decided that they wanted to get on the team, the dream team of helping people recover when they're sick. Now, I want you to know that's a God-given call. Amen? I'd ask nurses that. I'd ask nurses, why do you get into the profession? It wasn't because they make lots of money. And it wasn't because their hours were incredibly wonderful. In fact, they would work two and three shifts at a time. They'd work long hours. And I'd ask these nurses, why did you get in the medical field? And nine times out of ten, like the doctors, they would say, well, I had a sister that was sick or a brother that was sick. And I just want to help others. When you got people that get on board for the right motives, you've got a dream team. Hello? And so I want everybody to understand that when I preach on healing, I'm not saying ignore your medicine. I'm not saying ignore your doctor. I'm saying that you need to understand that doctors are good, medicine's good, God is, this is not proper English, but gooder. And God uses people to heal. And whether he uses the long-term healing or he instantly, miraculously heals us 
with an instant healing, God is still the healer. If you take medicine for years or you go to the doctor for years, like the lady with the issue of blood for 12 years that went to see many physicians, and then she met Jesus and Jesus healed her. The beautiful truth is, just because you've been sick for several years, don't give up. Keep your faith. Keep your trust in the miracle-working power of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ still heals. Now, I wanted to say that because there's a lot of imbalance about healing in the world today, especially in the church. You got others that think, why do you need God? We got doctors and medicine. And then you have others that are in the church. Why do I need doctors and medicine? I've got God. Well, you that are all puffed up with your faith, you need every method you can take to fight against sickness and disease. Don't push a doctor aside. Don't push a medicine aside. Don't push any means that God has granted people through because God has developed a dream team in the medical profession. Now we need a dream team in the church. Every church should have a dream team. You say, well, what would that dream team be? Those four men were a dream team. They took their sick friend to Jesus Christ. That is the main job of the church with a dream team. And that is to get others that are having nightmares to come to a sweet dream of Jesus in the church of Jesus Christ. We're to go out and tell others about Christ because the world today is living a nightmare. We're pretty much sheltered. I think this winter is going to be a horrific time in the economy. I hope I'm wrong. But we need to understand, too, that we haven't seen, at least in America, other countries have, but at least in America, we haven't seen um, poverty and disease and sickness like they did in the Great Depression or like they did in the Spanish flu. Uh, you said, but what about COVID? It was horrible. But even in that, we've been pretty much shielded by God's grace and mercy. And hard times will come. But I want to just share with everybody in this room today, we need healing from the top to the bottom. It all begins at the top with Jesus Christ. Healing from the top to the bottom. Amen. This dream team. Is amazing. The, and here's what's beautiful. These four men come to the house where Jesus is. They can't get in because of the crowd. And these four men who is the dream team says, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way that we can, we can get our loved one to Jesus. And they, with tenacity, they with faith presented their loved one to the feet of Jesus Christ even after tearing up the roof. They tore the roof up, lowered their loved one down through the middle of the roof to the feet of Jesus Christ. I want to know who was the mathematician that made sure that they were at the exact spot where Jesus' feet were standing. And when Jesus is trying to preach or teach, how many would agree that that was probably kind of mistaken kind of disruptive in his preaching. Hello? That'd be worse than someone getting a call on their cell phone and answering it in the middle of the preaching. Hello? And, and I'm not being critical. I'm just saying disruptions sometimes robs people of hearing the truth. 
And so Jesus Christ is preaching, he's teaching, and they lower this sick of palsy. I, I think the four men that were his friends probably had to fuss with this guy to get him to even go. Hello? I remember when my dad was so sick, you had, it, it took an act of Congress. Well, no, act of Congress don't work anymore. It, it took the whole neighborhood to get my dad to go to the doctor. Because he, he always said, I'm too sick to go to the doctor. Amen? And some of you have the same attitude toward coming to Jesus. I'm too sinful to come to Jesus. What? He's the healer. He's the forgiver. And so they lower this loved one to the feet of Jesus because they couldn't get to him, so they break up the roof, lower him down. And how many know that was dirty, that was loud, it was disruptive, but they brought their loved one to Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus Christ saw the sick of palsy, the Bible's very clear that in this second chapter of Mark that he saw the four men. Jesus Christ saw the dream team. He saw them. Jesus Christ looked up and saw four men elevated above the problem. They were elevated above the sickness. They were elevated above the problem. And that's what faith does. It elevates you above the storm. Faith elevates you above the sickness. Faith elevates you above the crowd. Faith sets you apart from the crowd. Faith in Jesus. Faith in the blood. Faith in the healing power of God. Faith in the word of God. Faith in the power of God. Faith in the healing Jesus. Faith in the miraculous, moving, miracle power of Jesus Christ. Faith elevates you above the crowd. That's the dream team I'm talking about. People that will say, we're going to elevate ourselves above the whining, discouraged, depressed crowd. Let me say this, and please don't get angry with what I'm about to say, but don't come to church to see what you can get out of God. Come to church and see what you can give to God. Don't come to church. Don't drag your carcass here because, oh, you feel like you need to come and you got to get something from Jesus. Why don't you bring something to Jesus? Why don't you become part of the dream team? Why don't you become part of the dream team? Every church needs a dream team in the nursery. Every church needs a dream team in the kitchen. Every church needs a dream team in the maintenance department. Every church needs a dream team in the PA and sound uh, uh, technology. Every church needs a dream team in the music department. Everybody, every church needs a dream team in the faith and in the glory and in the prayer department and reaching out and touching lives in the evangelistic department. Our church needs and every church Church needs a dream team. Woo! A dream team. Amen? I used to travel, preach all over the country, and I found out that most pastors were in a nightmare team. We don't want a nightmare team. We want a dream team. Hello? And when Jesus Christ saw these four men, these dream team guys, he looked up. And the only way you're ever going to get Jesus Christ to look up to you is through faith. Because you're going to have to get elevated above, not Jesus, but elevated above where Jesus wants to do miracles. 
See, Jesus was in the house. He was among the sick. But you're going to have to get elevated above so Jesus can look up and see your faith. And Jesus Christ can use you as an instrument and a vehicle to bring others to Christ and to see others healed. Wow. I tell you what, it's amazing how people misinterpret the scriptures. When Jesus Christ looked at that sick of palsy, you know what he did? The first thing he said, son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. When he saw those elevated above the storm, elevated above the sickness, when he saw their faith, the dream team, Jesus Christ looked at the one that was sick of palsy, and he said, son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. That's beautiful, isn't it? In Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, he says, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Here in chapter 5, he says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And I can see those four dream team guys. They, uh, uh, that ain't why we brought him here, Lord. We didn't bring him here to be forgiven. We brought him here to be healed. Hello? Now, Lord... Lord, we're, we appreciate the fact that you forgave him, but we brought him here because we don't want to carry him back forgiven still in his bed. We're looking for something bigger than just you forgiving him. Well, there wasn't anything bigger, but they thought there was something bigger. And so Jesus Christ gets everybody's attention by saying you're forgiven. That's why we need to understand that the greatest Movement of, for, of healing in anyone's body, soul, or spirit is in first forgiveness. Forgiveness is always the first step to healing. Whether it's uh, spiritual, mentally, physical, healing begins with forgiveness. Hello? And so Jesus knew when he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Those people that were sitting there that's the problem. People just sitting there. Those scribes and Pharisees. Let me say this real quick. When Jesus Christ came, the world was deathly sick and in darkness. And the only ones that were doing well when Jesus Christ came to Israel were the heisters that called themselves preachers that were living above the people by the monetary gain, by the riches. They were the ones that had everything. The poor boy didn't have a thing. And all they want to do is point a finger and say, look at there, there's an adulterer. There's a sinner. And they wanted to elevate Moses' law above God's love. And don't misunderstand me. Moses' law is, is God's holiness. But God's love and power is Jesus Christ. And it made them so mad when Jesus Christ come along and didn't point his finger and say, you dirty dog, you. You just lay there and die, you miserable sinner. Jesus didn't say that, but there was other people that had their purse full, gold and silver, and their attitude was, huh, they're that way because they sinned. And Jesus Christ answers and says, your sins are forgiven to the falsy. That just, I mean, no, that really got their goat. I mean, that made them lose the cheese out of their sandwich. Not about the Pharisees. That really got them bad. And they, they're sitting there and they're thinking to themselves, reasoning in their heart, 
Who can forgive sin but God? And Jesus heard every word. They were thinking it in their mind, but Jesus heard every word. They were thinking it in their heart. And, and Jesus Christ said, uh, what's the easiest way to go here, boys? Do I say to the sick of palsy, rise, take up thy bed and walk? Or do I say, your sins are forgiven? Which is easiest? Which way? And, and Jesus said, I caused all this trouble so that you'll know that I have power on the earth to forgive sins as well as heal. Now, the world has flipped this backwards. In this Mark chapter 2, they believed Jesus could heal because they obviously saw it. But they didn't think Jesus could forgive. Now, we've flipped it in the modern day church and we think Jesus can forgive, but he can't heal. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus can do both. He heals and he forgives. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Come on now. You're sitting around looking at me like you got a toothache. Come on. Cheer up. And if you've got a, tear, uh, if you've got a toothache, my sincere apology to you. Every church needs a dream team. This church needs a dream team. And I'm glad that we have a church that preaches verse by verse through the Bible. I'm glad that we have a church that we don't look at just sugar stick sermons, although they're good. I like sugar sticks. But I'm glad that we got a church It's not the same old hash browns every Sunday. Not the same old, old, same old, same old, just dressed up a different way, same old goat, different clothes on. I'm glad that we're in a church where we go verse by verse to the Bible to get a steady and get a proper diet of the Scriptures, to know what the Bible is saying about healing, about the book of Revelation, the end time, about Josh's Colossians. He talks about you're complete in Jesus Christ. Listen, the days of getting up and hooping and a hollering because you, you start shouting like, you know, you were taking a shower and the water turned cold. Hello. I mean, no, that's a rude thing, but it happens. I went to church, and I shouldn't have done this, but years ago, traveling evangelism, I decided one time I'd go to a church and prove a point. And so when I was preaching, I just let her rip. I mean, I jumped up, I strutted around like a rooster, I hooped and hollered, and I preached for five minutes the weather forecast. One guy was standing on the edge of the pew. I mean, he got up standing on the pew. Woo, that's good, brother. He's shaking a handkerchief. That is so good. Woo, true, brother, true. And when everybody was shouting and praising God, they thought I was getting it on. And when I got through, I said, you just heard this evening's weather forecast. In a loud, enthusiastic way. I mean, we need to hear the Word of God in a loud, enthusiastic way and a solid stream of God's truth. Amen? Come on now. I'm preaching better than you're responding. 
We need a dream team. We need a dream team in the preaching of God's Word. We need a dream team in the nursery. We need a dream team in Sunday school department. We need a dream team in every area of our church. We need a dream team. Just like the hospital needs a dream team, just like the medical clinics need a dream team, just like nurses need a dream team, just like doctors need a dream team, just like pharmacists need a dream team, just like businesses need a dream team, the church needs a dream team. And that dream team needs to set people at the feet of Jesus Christ and know that Jesus Christ forgives and heals. Don't panic, eh? Give the Lord a great big hand. Amen. So every church needs a dream team. From the mountains to the valley, we need a dream team. From the mountains to the valley, we need a dream team. You say, where you get that? In the ninth chapter of Mark. Remember Jesus Christ went up on, I think it was probably Mount Hermon. Uh, we all know it by Mount Transfiguration. And Jesus Christ says to Peter, and Peter says, here. John, John says, here. Peter, James, and John. And James says, here. And Jesus says, go with me. And those three dream team preachers went with Jesus on the mountain. It's nighttime. Jesus is praying, and as he prays, Peter, James, and John go to sleep. And while they're sleeping, all of a sudden, something disturbed their rest. And they woke up, and when they woke up, there was Elijah and Moses. And Jesus was shining brighter than the sun. His clothes had turned whiter than any fuller's soap could make them white. He glistened, he had been transfigured, he was there in his glorious power, and there Elijah was, there Moses was, and they were on the mountaintop, and Peter said, "Woo! it's good for us to be here. Wow, let's build three tabernacles. One for you, Lord, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And God says out of heaven, shut up, Peter. Well, that's exactly what he said. But a cloud overshadowed them. And when that bright cloud, I don't know how that works, a bright cloud overshadows them, but a bright cloud envelops them. And God speaks in that brilliance of light in the presence of that transfigured Jesus Christ. And by the way, Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus about his death in Jerusalem, about his crucifixion, resurrection. And when when God spoke in that cloud, he said, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son. Hear him. And then the cloud left. And no one was left but Jesus alone. And when you get on the mountaintop, you don't need Moses and you don't need Elijah. When you get on the mountaintop, you need just Jesus. Hello? See, life is like You're high on the mountain or you're down low in the valley. That's the way life is. At times you're high on the mountain and you're really high. You're high on Jesus. You're high on the blessings of God. And then you find yourself really low, like the man who had his son who was a 
uh, demon-tormented at the foot of the hill of Mount Transfiguration. This man had a son that was demonic, that he was possessed with demon. And, and that man and his uh, daddy of that boy and that boy were at the bottom. And the disciples, he took his uh, son to the disciples so that they would be... Uh, they would cast the devil out. They would help his boy. And I mean, no, the, 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 the group at the bottom of the mountain was not the dream team. And so when Peter, James, and John came down from the mountain, you see, you had a dream team on the mountain. And many times we find ourselves in the valley. And, you know, you can be on a mountain really high, and usually when you're really high, you're really high, right? And then other times you're down in the valley and you're really low. You're really low. I'm finding scriptures for you. You're really low. And when you're down in the valley and you're really low, that's when you need a dream team. That's when you need a dream team that knows what it is to pray. Prayer and fasting. A dream team of prayer warriors. For those disciples tried to cast the devil out and release this young boy from his torment. And they said, why couldn't we do that, Jesus? And Jesus Christ said, this kind cometh on out, but by prayer and fasting. Boys, you're going to have to get along with the Father if you're going to see this stuff. This is heavy-duty stuff. If you're going to see heavy-duty miracles, you've got to spend some time alone with the Father. Fasting and prayer, calling out to God. Amen. I said fasting and prayer. Now, if you've got a different translation, you can go ahead and eat. But if you've got a King James Version, you've got to fast. Hello. It's amazing how we change our attitude if someone tries to steal our dinner plate. I don't like the way he preaches. Now, listen to me. If you really want to be a dream team and prayer warriors, you really want to be part of the dream team, you've got to spend time with God. You have got to saturate yourself alone in the presence of God. And, and, and the truth is, life is like mountains and valleys. Most of the time, we live in between. Most of the time, our life's in between. We're not in a valley. We're not on the mountain. Most of the time, we're, we're busy driving the kids to soccer practice. Most of the time, we're busy driving the kids to basketball. Most of the time we're busy driving the kids somewhere, trying to take care of business, trying to take care of things. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But most of us are just trying to make a living between the mountain and the valley. And sometimes God will shoot us up into the mountain when we're driving to work or when we're driving and we're praying, talking to God. Woohoo! You just have a good time. I mean, one time I was driving down 60 highway, 60 highway towards Springfield, coming out of Rogersville, and I had my Bible. I'd always put my Bible on the steering wheel. And when I'd drive down the road in my yellow Mustang, I could read the Bible while I was driving. And you say, preacher, you had a wreck? That wasn't the reason. But the glory of God got a hold of me, and I began to praise God and shout and give God glory, and God says, pull this thing over before you kill yourself. And I pulled the car over, and I was a little insulted that God called my car a thing. Pulled the thing over, and I pulled over, and just as I pulled over, because God was just moving on my soul, I was on the mountaintop. I looked in my rearview mirror, 
And there was a straight trooper, and his lights were going boom, 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 boom. He walked up to the car. He said, sir. I said, yes, sir. What, is, what can I do for you, officer? He said, I just wanted to see if you were all right because you were acting a little bit strange when you pulled over. He said, have you been drinking? I said, no, sir. He said, are you taking any kind of medicine? I said, no, sir. He said, well, what was your problem? And I said, I was reading my Bible in the steering wheel. He said, oh, that is a problem. And I said, no, no, no. The problem was God got a hold of me, and I'm just feeling the presence of the Lord. And the state trooper said, well, that's a pretty good, pretty good uh, excuse. He said, I'm going to let you go. But he said, leave your Bible on the seat till you get somewhere. Now, there's going to be those mountaintop experiences where you're going to feel the presence of God. God's going to sweep through your soul. But then you've got to come down. And when you come down, you're going to find a mess at the bottom of the hill. When you come down, you're going to find sickness. You're going to find heartbreak. You're going to find trials. When you come down, you're going to find it. But most of the time, we live in between. We're trying to make a living. We're trying to get through life. And, and you know, it's, it's uh, let me say something. It's not what you do on the mountain that counts. And it's not what you do in the valley that counts. Most of the time in the valley, you're whining and crying. You're, you're just beside yourself. But when you're up on the mountain, you're praising God. It isn't really up on the mountain where you make the best choice decisions, nor is it down in the valley where you make the best part of your life. It's in between. People that won't be dedicated to God when you're in between, you'll never be part of the dream team. You won't be faithful to church. You won't be faithful to the ministry because you're hung between the mountain and the valley. And sometimes God sends you to the valley so that you'll be more accessible to what God wants to do in your life. I believe personally that the greatest part of our Christian walk is not on the mountain nor the valley. The greatest part of our Christian walk is our discipline when we're in between everyday life. God gives us more every day. God gives us more every ordinary days than He does extraordinary days. And it's in those ordinary days that we need to be totally committed to God. You need to make up your mind what you're going to do. Amen? From the mountain to the valley, we need a dream team. Last point if you are not part of a dream team, Hang around one. If you are not part of a dream team, hang around those people that are elevated above the storm in their faith in Christ. Hang around them people that are busy in the things of God. Don't hang around non-churchgoers. Don't hang around non-Bible believers. Don't hang around lost people unless it is to help them and minister to them. Remember this, you cannot, you cannot spend your time in the world avoiding church, avoiding the Bible, avoiding the presence of God because there'll always be someone in your family, in your relationship, someone you know that's gonna be negative about your church 
or negative about your preacher or negative about your walk with God. You need to, you need to withdraw yourselves from people like that. You need, to, you need to get around the dream team. You know that, that nut that's always shouting, praise you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. You need to hang around that nut because he's screwed on the right boat. You need to hang around people that are prayer warriors. Maybe you're not part of the dream team, but you need to stay around the dream team. People that believe that God heals, that all things are possible to him that believeth. I think it's in this uh, scripture. You can pull that up for me in Mark chapter 9. I think it's verse 24. Uh, this is worth talking about. Uh, remember the, the man with the sick child and the, the disciples couldn't cast the demon out of the child. And uh, the, the, the daddy said to Jesus, if you, if you could do anything, help me. And look at verse 23. I told you wrong. Verse 23 and 24. And in verse 22, the dad says, I need help. Have compassion on us. Help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. You need to hang around the dream team that believes this verse. Amen. And verse 24 says, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. It's the dream team that helps you with your unbelief. It's the dream team, the prayer team, the people that love God that helps you with your unbelief. It's church that helps you with your unbelief. It's the preaching of God's word. It's God's ministry that helps you with your unbelief. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that helps you with your unbelief. Unbelief breeds more unbelief. Unbelief incubates more unbelief rapidly outside the church. Unbelief incubates, grows, mastitizes, grows in the presence of people that are doubtful, prayerless, Hello. Now, does that mean we should be unkind to others? No. But it does mean that we are dependent upon the dream team. If, you re if you're not part of the dream team, I'd hang around the dream team. Because the dream team is going to help you more than the nightmare team ever will. Hello. I've watched over the last few days, you know, actually the last few weeks, I've watched uh, uh, Brother Ward get better and better. And God's doing that. I'm doing it better and better. I I've watched Durd get better and better, stronger and stronger. That can only be accredited to the presence of God and the prayers. And the dream team that's calling out to God. I've watched Richard, who I call Lazarus. He's here because Jesus Christ called him out of the tomb, healed his body. And Richard, you're still in the process of that healing. You haven't got it totally, but never give up because God brings total healing, total healing. When you get your total healing, I'll let you preach the next service. God's a good God. If the doctor said you got cancer, remember, remember this. 
if you've got cancer, remember this. You have cancer. The cancer don't have you. And you've got Jesus, and he's bigger than cancer. And you've got the dream team that's standing with you. Hello? And the dream team and the prayers and the worship to God and the believing God causes the medicine to work better. Causes the treatments to work. Why do you think something works? Because God makes it work. Why do you think, why do you think treatments for cancer works? Because God makes it work. Why do you think you, you recover because of your immune system? Because God makes your immune system work. Can God step outside the box? He's already outside the box. Can God give you a miracle instantly? Absolutely. I've seen him in the past. I'll see him in the future. God performs miracles. God gives total healing. But listen to me. If you've been diagnosed with a permanent sickness, remember that doesn't apply to Jesus Christ. The only permanent thing you got as a child of God is eternal life. The only permanent thing you got. And one day when you go to heaven, you're going to have a perfect healed body. But on the way, let's keep our body tweaked and tuned and covered in prayer, believing God for healings along the way. And miracles can come and blessings can come. Amen. Hello. Hello. Our God heals instantly and miraculously. But we need to remember this one thing. Never give up on your complete restoration. Never give up on your complete healing. Never give up. If you've been sick for 20 years, never give up. Always believe that there's a healing coming. Always trust and obey God. Always believe because all things are possible to him that believeth. And you get together with the dream team because they help you with your unbelief. Isn't that beautiful? Helps you with your unbelief. I hope tonight the message is helping you with your unbelief. I hope it's helping you with your unbelief. You say, well, I don't have any. You're a liar. You're just an absolute, outright, bald-faced liar. So how do you know I'm a liar? Because I have unbelief from time to time. You ain't no better than I am. And I know you're no prettier than I am. I'm just telling. <laughs> now I've lost everybody's confidence in me. I didn't have any in you anyway. Okay, but listen to me. You're just lying if you say you don't have unbelief, because you do. But remember, bless God, you can be part of the dream team. And that's why you get together and you always believe God and trust God and believe God for your miracle and your healing. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. We just keep believing God for healing. Just we're getting better and better and better and better and better and better. Amen? I said we're just getting better and better and better and better because of prayer and because of the dream team. I want to invite you to become part of the dream team. I'd like for our church to have several dream teams. I'd like to, ha I'd like to see our church have a dream team that's made up of prayer warriors. I'd like for our church to have a dream team that's made up of Bible teaching healers. I don't mean they heal, but they present the healing power of God. I'd like to see our church have a, a, a team, a dream team of soul winners. 
I'd like to see our church have a dream team of people that love their pastor. They can't get enough of God's word. The dream team. Amen? The dream team. Our church needs a dream team. And I think in some areas, we do have that dream team. I think in some areas, I know we've got a dream team on uh, the areas of our television and our, our uh, computer stuff working. You guys do an awesome job in the snack room. It's got to be, a, you know, it's got to be sweet to find something at that snack room. Amen. Hello. Thank God for coffee. It keeps people awake while I'm trying to preach. Amen. Thank God for sugar. It makes the children run fast away when we dismiss before the preaching. Amen. So we need people that are busy helping and touching lives. But your valleys, your mountains will be there. But you're going to be stuck in between. And when you're stuck in between the mountain and the valley, hear me. If you don't want to go to the valley quicker than you, you know, normal, you better act right in between the mountain and the valley. Because it is in between the mountain and the valley that the church really has its strength or it can show its weakness. The church shows its weakness when it's between the mountain and the valley. When everybody's got their own agenda and their own thing they want to do and it, it affects the church attendance. It affects the people growing in the Lord. It affects, you know, I hate to say it, but there's pastors and I love pastors. Pastors are wonderful. But there are pastors that close their Sunday night services because nobody comes. There are pastors that don't have service on Wednesday night because nobody comes. Well, I made up my mind a long time ago. If Judy's the only one that comes and I have to bring her by gunpoint, we're not closing on Sunday night or Wednesday night. Hello, Josh will be here. But when you miss out on church, you miss out on attendance, you miss out on prayer, you miss out on the dream team, you're the loser, not me. You're going to be the loser, not me. And your, your life during the week is going to be harder because you're not putting priority first things first with the Lord. It's going to be harder because most people fight discouragement, depression on a daily basis because they haven't rose above the level and became part of the dream team. Amen? Now, there's reasons that you can be depressed. Medicine could be a reason. You could have something going on in your, in your mind, your spirit that's causing problems. I'm not saying that there isn't legitimate reasons for people having problems. But I am saying that there are, there are reasons for people get out of church, away from God, backslide, go back into the world because they don't put first things first. They don't put God first. And I want to say this, and please hear me. Uh, America is going to go into a deeper depression. We're going to see worse come. We're going to see it get darker. We're going to see it getting more famine. We're going to see it get worse. You know why? Because God is going to allow it to get worse. Because we are heaping to ourselves leaders that are more like ourselves. 
Now, I'm not saying that's an all-conclusive statement at all. You know what I'm saying. I'm saying as a nation, the nation is bringing the wrong type of people together, and they're not listening truth. They're listening to lies. Is that political? Not at all. I'm not talking political here. I mean, we're talking back in, in thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago. The people suffered because of the leadership was foul. And there'll be problems. There'll be trouble. And I have no doubt in my mind that we are headed for worse times. And if you think you're struggling now, you just give it another two or three more years. You just keep living between the mountain and the valley on your little old plain in between and not being committed completely to the Lord and not dedicated to the Lord. And you're going to find yourself in a deep valley that you never dreamed you'd be in. Amen. Last time I was in a place this quiet, it was the dentist's waiting room. Shoot, the library's louder than this. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to pray for the sick. I, I realize it's Wednesday night, and some of the folks need to get their children home early to give them to bed. You need to put yourself to bed. But uh, hear me. I think we need to pray for people. And what I'm going to do right now, right now, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to ask you to go to someone that you know that needs healing in their body. So you see, I'm not the healer. Jesus is. And Jesus lives in you. So I'm going to ask you to just go to someone right now in this auditorium that you know needs healing. And I want you to pray for them. I want the Jesus in you. I want you to be elevated above their problem in faith and believe God for healing. Would you do that? I, I'm not going to call you forward and, and I perform. I'm going to ask you to be the body of Christ, the ministry of Christ, and pray for those. Josh is going to play and sing.